Hosea chapter 10, verse 11. Hosea has been called to a backslidden Israel. They are spiritually indecisive. Their lives are full of spiritual inactivity. They are inept in a lot of points and spiritual things, and it is into this that God calls the prophet. And Ephraim is an heifer that is taught and loveth to tread out the corn, but I passed over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride. Judah shall plow, and Jacob shall break his clods. Verse 12, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. If you would indulge me tonight, I'd like to read that in from one more translation. Once you were obedient like a calf that loved to thresh grain, but I will put a harness on your beautiful neck. And Judah, you must plow. There's no choice given in the matter. Judah must plow and cultivate the ground. Plow your fields, scatter seeds of justice, and harvest faithfulness. Worship me, the Lord, and I will send my saving power down like rain. Praise God. Amen. For a few moments tonight, I'd like to preach to you from this subject. Abandon plows. Abandon plows. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your presence. God, you have been here from the very beginning, from when I walked in this building, Lord, and there were just a few people here tonight, Lord. Your presence was already waiting, God, hovering like in creation to begin to move, God. And I thank you for this word, God, that is power, it is anointed, God, and it's going to find its lodging place in the heart of men right now, God. We'll give you glory and we'll give you thanks for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. It was just a few months ago that my wife and I were driving on Highway 530. If you don't know what that is and not familiar with that, that is the coastal route as you head back toward Miramichi from uh, the Shediac area. If you've not driven that, you need to take a drive on that. Isn't that right, Brother Carter? It is full of beautiful scenery. As we drove, something caught my eye. It was in the Grand Dig area where the there was a field that was full of antique farm equipment. Plows mostly, left in seemingly random places in the field. They had obviously been there for a long time. Some were above ground and some had been there so long that they had sunk into the ground further than others. I commented to my wife that this was an interesting sight to see all of these seemingly abandoned plows. For that it was a thought-provoking moment for me. And God at, brought this question to my mind in that moment. Has the church somehow abandoned the plow? The Bible frequently uses pictures from agriculture to teach us necessary truths. It speaks about the vineyard. It speaks about the seed and the sower. It speaks about cultivating the ground, tilling the ground, harvest being white and ready to be gathered, the ratio of seed to yield and the field and the plow. Th this plow, this object that we're talking about, it is both an object and an action. 
The International Bible Encyclopedia says this concerning the plow. It says, no implement of the Bible is more frequently illustrated today than that of the plow. The first plows were probably an adaptation of ancient Egyptian hoe, where the handle was lengthened in order for the animals that they might be hitched to it. To make it easier to break up the ground, it was pointed. Handles were added by which it could be guided. The plow, it was not a complex tool by any measure. In fact, the whole plow was so light that it could be easily carried on one man's shoulder. These plows literally scratch the soil. They do not turn over the ground as the modern implements do today. The plowman guides the plow with one hand and with the other sometimes goes the oxen. At other times a chisel in hand breaking away lumps of earth that had been there to uh, stop the seed from sinking. Plow is found in our text is the Hebrew word chirash and it means to cut in. It means to engrave. It means to scratch about. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. I'm reading from the Amplified. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus was stressing the need for our commitment to the plow. It's not something that you just do as a hobby. It's not something that you just do on the spur of the moment. But plow becomes a career. We must have the same determination as a farmer plowing the field who must do it with all his strength, always looking forward. Because the opportunity will always present itself to look back. Every day you'll have a chance to look back where you've come from. In plowing a field in that day, a farmer kept the rows straight by focusing on an object in front of him, perhaps a tree that was off in the distance. If the farmer started to plow and kept looking behind, he would never get a straight row and would never do a good job of plowing. As you and I, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as we make up our mind to follow him, it is essential that we keep our eyes upon Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. If you're going to get behind the plow, if you're going to put your hand to the plow, there is one that will help you focus on what the job is at hand. Barclay said, no plowman ever plowed a straight furrow while looking back over his shoulder. Let's be honest, there's lots of distractions in 2023. There's lots of things that can take your attention if you're not careful. Plowmen also do something else of great importance. While the plow is moving, they hold on. You see, a plowman who lets go of the plow is really no plowman at all. Morrison said, plowmen are not usually learned people, nor are they often poets in disguise. But there is one virtue that they possess very well, and that is the virtue of quietly holding to it. I'm urging the church tonight to hold on to the plow. Don't let it go now. It's more important today than it ever was yesterday. So at the beginning of this brand new year that we sit and we look upon God, what do you have for our future? Could we say we're not going to abandon the plow? We're not going to let it sink in the field. It's time that we... It's time we put our hand to the plow and let God work behind us. 
You see, we've been plowing too long now to let go. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm tired. Plowing is no easy task. If you've ever done it, plowing takes fortitude. It takes determination. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes focus. And it takes faith. In Proverbs 20 and verse 4, it says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. We need to establish an important fact at the onset of this message tonight. There will never be a convenient time for you to plow. There will never be a time when it's less taxing for you to plow. There will never be a time when plowing will fit into your full schedule. There will never be a time when plowing will take less effort because plowing is just good old-fashioned work. So if you showed up tonight thinking it was going to be a, ye a year of ease and a year of just kind of taking it easy, well, Pastor Long steps to the forefront tonight to let you know when you grab a hold of the plow, the plow is not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. But I want you to know there is a plow that will fit every hand that is in this room tonight. The writer of Proverbs, he said, the lazy man will not plow because of winter. You see, the lazy man always finds some excuse not to do his work. It's always too early or it's too late in the season to begin. It's always winter. The ground is always too hard for plowing. Any excuse will work when the heart is set on not making the effort. Winter designates the... Palestine rainy season from mid-October to April. Since no sowing could be done without plowing, I'm going to say that again, since no sowing could be done without plowing, the farmer waited for the first autumn rains to soften the ground. You see, the sluggard lacks the commitment to plow from winter on, the only time that really matters. The right time? is right now. The right time for planting was that rainy season. It was cold. It was wet. It was unpleasant. Yet, it was the right time. You see, comfort and convenience were the sluggard's excuse. The excuses, they can be many. You could say it's too cold. It's too hot. The ground's too wet. The ground's too dry. It's too rocky. It's too muddy. I'm too tired. I'm too angry. I can't do it right now. The excuses can be many. Whatever the excuses made, the facts remains that Judah must plow. If Judah is not plowing, then Judah is not accomplishing their mandate. You have to plow no matter what the season or conditions. Quite frankly, your comfort is not important. Your convenience is not important. The weather for plowing really makes no difference at all. It doesn't matter how you feel while you're plowing. In fact, there can be real reality facts that are basically not important when you plow. Why is that? Because plowing was never about Judah. Plowing was about the field. 
And we're wrong if we think plowing is about us. Because contrary to popular belief, plowing is not about me. Plowing is not about you. It's not about what we think. It's not about how we feel. But plowing is about the field. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field, which when the man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy that goeth, selleth everything that he has, so he can go and buy the field. What are you saying? I'm saying when the field becomes more valuable, plowing becomes more essential. Our text lets us know that if we want to see a harvest, if we want to experience revival, Judah must plow. Whenever you can, wherever you can, however you do it, simply plow. No excuses accepted. It's interesting to me that there were being 12 tribes in Israel, this particular task God assigns to Judah. Contemporary version says Judah must plow. Judah must plow and cultivate the ground. If you've been in Pentecost for any amount of time or a person of faith for any amount of time, you realize that the name Judah in its most basic form means praise. And this task of plowing was given to Judah. You see, it's praise that breaks the barrier. It's praise that stirs the soil. It is praise that cuts through the clay. It is praise that lays open the land. Judah, you must plow. Praise sets the plow that allows the seed to be sown. Praise sets the plow that allows the seed to be watered. Praise sets the plow for a future harvest. The prophet Hosea, he continues speaking for God, of course, says, sow to, your, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. God, through the prophet, begins to build on this picture of sowing and reaping by telling Israel to break up your fallow ground. What is fallow ground? Fallow ground is ground that hasn't been unplowed for a period of time. Perhaps ground that has never been plowed. It is ground that is hard. It's ground that is stubborn. It's ground that is resistant to the seed. It is ground that could be productive. But for whatever reason it has not been broken up. For whatever reason it has not been tilled or plowed. You see, it does no good to sow seed on fallow ground. It must be broken up first. Plow your fields. Scatter seeds of justice. Harvest faithfulness. Worship me, the Lord, and I will send my saving power down like rain. 
Another version says, plow new fallow ground for yourselves. Plant righteousness. Reap blessings that your devotion to me will produce. It's time for you to turn to me, your Lord. And I will come down and I will pour blessings out upon you. You see, God has some brand new ground that he desires to open in the nation of Canada. It is ground that is hard. It is ground that is parched. It is ground that has never been plowed before but can I tell you I'm encouraged because in this room tonight there's some people that have said I'm going to work the plow I'm going to put my hand to the plow I'm going to get out in the field and I'm going to work what God has called me to work in order to yield a harvest this ground needs to be plowed there is potential in the field. Come on, let's not write off our world. I said there's potential in the field. If you don't believe that, you might as well pack up your things and get your Bible in your hand and go home right now because there is potential in the field. It just needs somebody to grab a hold of a plow and begin working. So Judah, go ahead and plow. You see, we understand that there are some plows that have been abandoned in the field of your past. You know that moment when you turned your back on the plow. Left it in the field, the grass began to grow up around it. Now you can hardly make out just a faint shape off in the distance. There are some plows that have been left behind in the field by elders who have gone on. Who would still be at the plow if they had the ability. I think of men like Elder McKean, R.D. Foster. Men who were on the plow until their last breath. They would still be there, but being forced to abandon it in a field because they no longer had life to make it work. It's plows just like that that are abandoned that need some of you to pick up tonight. There are some plows that have been left abandoned by those who have simply abandoned the field with not a thought of ever returning. Judah, it's time to reacquaint yourself with the plow. The plow is sitting in the field, ready to become useful again. There is no value in a plow that goes unused. And there is no value in ground that goes unplowed. I want you to know the plow will fit in your hand. Judah... You must plow. Elder, you must plow. Young person, you must plow. Northeast Christian College, you must plow. Young pastor, you need to get a hold of the plow. Musician, you must plow. Capital community, you must plow. There's new ground that God has for us to work.
The rest of verse 12 says, for it is time to seek the Lord. That means a time to break up the fallow ground can't be put off until tomorrow. It can't be moved ahead until next week. The time to break up the fallow ground is right now. The plowing should be done immediately. Instantaneously we should say, God, send me. I'll grab the plow in the field and begin to work it once more. You see, the season is passing, and if you don't get the seed in the ground, the early rain will be passed, and your fields will be unproductive. Scripture tells us that he longs to come down as rain of righteousness upon us. I believe that tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10, or saith... He it all together for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt this is written, that he that plows should plow in hope. And he that threshes should thresh in hope. Come on, is there any faith in the room tonight? Can I tell you, if you dare to grab the plow, God will back you up in your work. So today, just like Paul wrote about, we plow in hope. We plow in hope of renewal. We plow in hope of revival. We plow in hope of harvest. We plow in hope of healing. Come on, we plow in hope of the supernatural happening in this moment among us. Judah, you must plow. You say, what is all this? What, what are you so excited about plowing for? What are you kind of getting so bent out of shape about this? Because plowing is essential for the last day harvest to happen. Sow to yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness upon you. That's what it's all about. I got a word for somebody tonight. I want to tell somebody who has abandoned your plow, get your hand back on the plow. I want to tell somebody who has plowed for months, perhaps even years, seemingly without results, don't abandon the plow. It was all the design of God to bring a harvest of righteousness, to bring a rain of the Spirit. You haven't plowed in vain. You haven't labored in vain. The goodness and the faithfulness of our God wouldn't allow that to happen ever. If there is one thing I know about God, it is this. God will eventually turn your season of plowing into your season of plenty. Everything on earth has its own time and its own season. There's a time for birth. There's a time for death. There's a time for planting. There's a time for reaping. There's a time for killing. There's a time for healing. There's a time for destroying. There's a time for building up. A time for crying, for laughing, for weeping, for dancing. You say, what does that mean? That lets me know that there, if there is a time for plowing, then there is a time for provision. 
So if God has ordained a plow season in your life, he most certainly has ordained a season of provision also. If God told Judah to plow, then God will also allow Judah to reap. So I'm here tonight to proclaim a changing of the season. Your season of plowing is about to pay off. Your season of plowing is about to become a season of plenty. Your season of plowing is about to become a season of provision. The rewards of your plowing, they're about to be reaped. Psalm 126, 4 to 6. And as I was preparing, Brother Carter, this is your scripture from the opening last year. Lord, return our prisoners. Bring back those who return and restore our fortunes again. As you bring streams to the desert, an arid area of South Israel, those who cry as they plant crops. Somebody hear this right now. Those who cry as they plow the field will sing for joy at harvest time. Those who cry as they carry out the seeds will doubtless come again, bringing their sheaves with them. I'm telling somebody tonight, your season of plowing is about to pay off. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. The field, let's be honest, it's full of abandoned plows. Wherever you are this evening, there is a plow in a field somewhere that was abandoned. But the wonderful thing about that is that plow, it'll fit your hand. That plow might as well have been customized for you. Somebody has to go and scrape the ground for the seed. Sometimes it doesn't seem like you've really done anything. It's just a small scratch. It's just a small opening. It's just a crack in this dry ground. Can I tell you, if you go and plow, it's going to make room for the seed. That single scrape that your praise has made, has given the ability for your seed to be driven deep in the ground. And with that, God is bringing a harvest that you can't begin to anticipate. So Judah, you must plow. Plow when you don't see results. Plow when you don't feel results. Plow when you feel uncomfortable. Plow when you feel weary. Plow when you feel awkward. Plow when you feel like you don't fit in. Plow when you feel like it's worthless. Because Judah, you must plow. So I challenge somebody tonight to go ahead and break up the fallow ground. Judah, you have never been more essential than you are right now. It's in a day when we can no longer just come to church. We have to plow. 
It's a time we can't just drag our kids anymore. You have to plow. It's a time when we can't just come and play music and go through the motions and do this and that and operate in routine. Judah, you must plow. So I'm calling for Judah to plow this evening because God has a harvest that he wants us to reap. But by the order of Scripture and by God's order, the plowing has to happen before the produce can be seen. This is your season to plow. And I want somebody to know tonight in faith that you're plowing, it's leading to something great. It's leading to something that you can't begin to understand yet. Musicians, if you could come back and help me tonight. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm almost through. First Kings gives us a story of Elisha being chosen as a mighty prophet of God. First Kings chapter 19 and verse 19. It says, so he being Elijah departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Sophat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle on him. Just kind of get a picture of this in your mind's eye if you can. Elisha wasn't searching for greater. He was just plowing. The scripture tells us that Elisha was plowing in the field when the mantle of Elijah was cast on him. You see, Elisha understood his job was to plow the field. It was hard work to plow. It was sweaty work to plow. It was smelly work to plow. It was dirty work to plow. But Elisha did it with purpose and he did it with intention. Because though it seemed small, that was his assigned task. It was monotonous work to plow. One row, back over the other, back over the other. Row after row after row, seemingly doing the same thing again and again and again. Nobody saw him in the field. It was work that was in the background. He was just plowing. It was unheralded work. He didn't get a lot of thanks for it. But Elisha did it willingly. You see, Elijah finds Elisha with dust covering his face. Dung caked onto his clothes, dirt between his toes, and God says to the old prophet, This is the one. God calls him in the middle of what some might consider a boring and mundane life. Elisha wasn't seeking to get ahead of the next guy or girl in ministry. 
Elisha wasn't seeking to be that conference speaker that everyone would talk about one day. He was just doing his job. He was just doing what he was asked to do. He was just plowing. And this is for every student under the sound of my voice tonight. It was well, he was plowing. That Elijah came up behind Elisha and cast his mantle upon him. So you don't have to be anything special. You just have to be willing to plow. You have to be willing to go and find that abandoned plow and dig the dirt out from around it and get the grass so you're able to grab it with your hand. Say, God, I'm going to find me some fallow ground. Some ground that hasn't been worked in a while, perhaps never worked, but it's there that I'm going to labor because I know you've called me to plow. Elisha had done his job plowing. Now God was inviting Elisha to experience greater power, greater anointing, greater miracles than he had ever witnessed previous to this. In fact, you read about it, Elisha's anointing was greater than that of Elijah. And where did it all start? It started in the field. Tied behind the oxen with a hand pushing the plow into the ground so he could just crack the soil. If I could just scratch it so the seed could get in. Lord, I thank you for your presence and your spirit, Jesus. I feel you in this house right now, Lord. Your anointing is in this room, God. Lord, this room is full of people, God, who are willing, God, to put their hands, God, into, onto an abandoned plow, God, to dig it out of the field, God, to get it back up out of the dirt and make it start scratching again so the seed can reach its intended destination. God, I pray right now over this class of NCC students that are here tonight, God. I pray in the spiritual emphasis week, God, that you would start us out on the right feet, on the right foot, God. Let us realize it is essential, God, for us to plow. Though it may be unheralded, though it may be unnoticed, God, and at times uncomfortable and inconvenient, Lord. If we can put in our spirit tonight that we've got to plow, God, something miraculous will happen. In the name of Jesus, God, we're asking you to do a supernatural work right now. As they begin to sing, we're going to open these altars. If you say, Pastor Long, there's an abandoned plow with my name on it. I'm going to be the one that grabs it tonight. I'm going to work the field that's been left untouched. Would you join me at the altar here now, if that's you? That's it. Come on, there's others here tonight that aren't students. You're the one that has abandoned the plow. It's gone forgotten. It's gone neglected for such a period of time. That's it, Judah. You must plow. Make up your mind right now.